If I asked you for your definition of success, what would you say? For me, it's simple. Success is unique to each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Alice Olins, founder of The Step Up Club. Welcome to my podcast, The Success Revolution, which is changing the way that we talk and think about success. Having worked with one too many women who's had her confidence and her identity diminished as a result of working towards an antiquated definition of success, you know it, money, power, status. The mission of this podcast is simple, to get every single one of you feeling successful, whatever that success looks like to you. Today's episode is recorded in support of a charity called The Railway Children, which works to protect street children in India, East Africa and the UK. Every year, thousands of children across these countries run away or are forced to leave homes that have become unbearable through poverty, abuse, violence and neglect. The Railway Children aims to reach these children as soon as possible before an abuser can and before they become entrenched in street life. To find out more about the Railway Children and how you can help, visit railwaychildren.org.uk. Alex Stedman is a wonderful and very stylish human being. A freelance stylist by trade, she previously worked in PR and as a magazine stylist for 15 years. Despite having a great job at a top magazine title, in 2015, Alex decided to do a major career pivot. She left her job to be able to focus her energies on freelance editing and her already successful blog, The Frugality, which she'd set up three years earlier. It was a bold move that predated Instagram, which has given all online content creators a much easier access to audience and given us, the consumers, a new fluency and trust in digital media. And yet, with Alex's brilliant eye, her honest voice and plenty of sheer damn grit, the frugality continues to grow and boasts hundreds of thousands of readers. Not just that, but Alex has managed to keep it true to its original aim, a stylish manual to living frugally. As she puts it herself, her frugal ways are never at the cost of living happily, looking fabulous or travelling the world. What started as a fashion blog has evolved to include plenty of interior design. Anyone who has followed her diligently, as I have, will know that together with her husband Chris, Alex is still painstakingly restoring, mainly by hand, her home in North London and it looks just as you'd expect, cool, calm and way ahead of the curve. She also writes about travel and fashion. Deservedly so, the frugality has been featured across numerous media sites, including Grazia, The Times, The Telegraph, Marie Claire, Stylist, and The Evening Standard. And it has won the Amara IBA Award for Best Interiors, Lifestyle Blog, and last year Alex won the Blogger's Choice 2018. As much as she enjoys musing on the beautiful things in life, Alex also isn't afraid to dig deep and unpick how and why we live. Her current fascination is around our attitudes to money, a subject that has always been close to her heart. She is currently writing her first book on the subject and in the spirit of sharing and transparency she shares her 40 pound weekly food shop receipt on instagram alex lives in north london with her husband and their one-year-old daughter peggy alex you are an inspiration in so many ways although i know you'll hate me saying that she is humble to a fault but i'm determined alex that we spend this episode celebrating your successes as you absolutely deserve to bask in your own glory thank you for being a guest on the thank success you. revolution that was lovely um, <laughs> everyone needs you in their lives <laughs> i actually always really enjoy writing and delivering intros that are are totally deserved. So let's start with the big question, which is, and I know you're going to struggle because I've already emailed you about <laughs> this. What is your definition of success today? Do you think about it and where does it sit in your life? I honestly don't feel like I think of success. It's such a weird... I find I have, a, I suppose, a strange relationship with the word success because I don't... 
think about it mm-hmm. in many ways. I, like, you know, something mm-hmm. I'm too busy just doing what I'm doing and growing what I'm growing. Yeah, I suppose for me, the main thing is, and Chris and I do talk about it quite often and how lucky we are and how, like, sometimes I do think I can't believe this is work or this is our job, you know, and that kind of association that work has to be something that you don't enjoy and something that you, yeah. you know, watch the clock. And, and I have guilt that my job is... Too fun. Yeah, and I work with Chris <laughs> and we just have a laugh and we go into town and do some photos or, you know, we just came back from New York and it's strange, I have guilt that that's a job and I think there's so many associations with work being something you don't enjoy and I think, I suppose, that's success in that sense. Like, you know, I can be at home when I need to be, I can be flexible in my job, I can call the shots in that sense so I can think oh actually I won't enjoy that <laughs> let's not make that work so was that the driver because it was I mean we were saying before the interview I remember because I was a journalist at the time when you left Red yeah and you went to freelance and also to focus on frugality and I remember thinking it was quite a bold move what were you thinking at the time and what was your ambition for your work if I'm really honest I'm I think a lot of people think I left to do the frugality but I didn't make any money on that but I think I was burnt out, really. I think at the crux of it, I knew something had to change. I mean, I've always worked in a recession, so I've always worked at least two jobs. When someone leaves, I just knew generally that job would just pass over to me. And I think I'd been that specific magazine a bit too long. I think everyone trusted me so much that I had so much responsibility by the time I'd left that I just don't think I could take on anymore. And I just think I needed a break. So that was probably the main... And were you scared? Because, I I mean, now it's more of a given that you can pick up your laptop, start something on the side, you know, get lots of work and be quite flexible. But, so what, more than 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Things were very different then. Were you scared about making that change? No, it's funny. When I left, I actually didn't really think about it. I didn't really have a plan. And I think that probably scared a lot of other people. Mm. But I'm quite insecure, but I have a real confidence in my work ethic. Okay. And I knew that I put 100% into every single thing I do. And that's why I had so many jobs at the magazine, because everyone knew that I would deliver, I would finish every project, and I would do it well. Mm. And I had that kind of confidence that that's okay, I'm going to survive in this freelance world because I know that whoever I work for, they always want me to work for them again. Mm. And everyone's always pleased with how much I deliver. I mean, sometimes I do think probably at the beginning I probably, you know, over-delivered the charge. Always. But that's a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, and that probably taken me quite a long time to work through that. Yeah, I had a real confidence that I knew it would work. And how did you structure your days? I mean, I know lots of our listeners are kind of thinking about moving from employment to being an entrepreneur or trying to start something on their own. How do you motivate yourself? Because I know as a freelance journalist, it sounds like the dream. Yeah. But it's hard when you're sitting on your own at home and nothing's coming in and you have to go and find the work. Yeah. I never ever, even when I was working in magazines, I never ever thought of my job as work. It was just things I needed to get done, which I feel... (laughs) You're so practical. Yeah, in the sense of... You know, the same with housework. I just had a list and I just kind of went through it. I mean, I wasn't probably very good. I think, to be honest, since I've had Peggy, I've been much more structured in my days. And I would probably, yeah, kind of blend that, kind of have TV on the background. I'd maybe do some dishes and washing up. And and then I would finish work at 10, 11 o'clock at night. And and when I was working full-time as well, I think I was very bad at that because I did two jobs. 
So I'd work in the magazine all day in the week, but also weekends because magazine work doesn't really stop. And then I would do my blog on the weekends or work till midnight most nights. So I do think... I've probably perfected that more in the last year or so. Okay, it's yeah. been quite recent. Yeah, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic and burn out quite easily. I'm a real people pleaser as well, which I think is probably my biggest downfall. And I want to do every job that comes in, not because I want money, but I just want that everything's too good an opportunity to miss mm. and I could learn something from it all. I think I definitely have realised that there's a real craft in editing what you do and what projects you take on rather than just taking on everything because it's there. Have you learnt the power of saying no then? Much more. And how has that impacted you? Because we talk about the power of saying no and how every no allows an open door to another yes that might be better but you might not know what that yes, yes. is yet. And how have you learnt that skill? I mean, to be honest, that has probably happened in the last, again, year, two years. I think mainly because my blog and sort of Instagram has become much bigger than it was. So I think I have got a bit more power in that sense. So I think I've got that confidence behind me, whereas before I lacked that. Um, You know, again, working full time, I always, I had that kind of feeling that I was lucky to have a job and, and now I have got the confidence because I've been doing my own thing for few years now and I know that I've delivered great content I've got readers that actually listen and I've got clients that have been happy with my work that I feel yes I know I can do this and actually I don't need to do that anymore and I think that's definitely been a shift so I don't really do much styling anymore okay and was that hard to let go no it kind of gradually did Mm. and I think taking a bit of time out having Peggy as well made me realize that really what I want to do and my blog affords me the life that allows me to spend more time with her actually I can do it a little bit around her I mean obviously she doesn't really sleep so it's been tricky but yeah (laughs) so you left your magazine job to kind of go freelance but also to do the blog did you think at that point that the blog could be a business that would sustain you and for readers who don't understand how a blog can sustain you can you just explain a little bit about the mechanics of it yeah I mean I definitely didn't think it could sustain me I knew I wanted to keep doing it because I really enjoyed it so it just pure enjoyment for yourself yeah I think that was the thing I I knew when I again when I left my full-time job basically I was working I got to the point where I was working 70% on both and not 100%. Okay. And I knew something had to give and it was one or the other and I didn't want to give up my blog. So that's kind of also another reason to leave. Even though it wasn't making you money? Yeah. Just, I just really enjoyed it because I was my own editor. And, yeah. But I knew I had readers there that really cared, whereas I'd sit next to someone reading you know, a magazine on the tube and they'd just flip past my page. Yeah. Whereas people really, you know, I think it's quite such a niche as well. I wasn't trying to please everyone. I was just doing what I thought was right and then readers came so it was really focused and I really I just said yeah I enjoyed it and I enjoyed writing as well which I really didn't really get to, much, to do much with styling so I didn't think it would sustain I think after a few years I did a little spreadsheet of like you know incomings and, mm-hmm. and I thought well actually if I push this and I think as soon as I have actually kind of stopped the styling I have pushed you've it you've had more energy yeah and it's, it's really hard to let go because I do enjoy styling and I suppose that's a whole different arena whereas I don't get to work with the same kind of calibre of photographers and hair and makeup artists and travel the world as much but it's funny I always thought that that would be my end goal I always thought I wanted to be a fashion editor and you know 
be in charge of these amazing photo shoots. And then when I got there, I left and I realised that actually maybe the blog, the frugality was what I wanted to do, but it didn't exist 10 years ago. I always thought, oh, I didn't want to be a blogger, but, you know, it didn't actually even... The concept wasn't even around. So was it the autonomy was more important than the creative... Not the creativity, because you're obviously still creative through the frugality, but being part of that world and having that job that you thought you wanted. Because I yeah, think, definitely. you know, I think there's lots of women who reach a point in their career whether it's they funnel themselves straight from university into law and then they get to the point where they become a partner and they're like oh my god this is what I've wanted but actually I really don't feel happy yeah and you know that's kind of our demographic our age group of women where you've maybe ticked all the boxes but then you look at yourself and think actually I'm not sure so was that a scary realization yeah definitely I think like the generation before us like my parents have you know worked in the same company for 40 years yeah. and all of their staff so they're locksmiths so all the people that work with them have worked there for 30 years 25 years so I've never known that change just, yeah chopping and changing and just moving with the times I thought that's such an alien concept to me and also there's that guilt as well I think definitely coming from a magazine background the idea of a blogger was a bit naff and a bit mm. dirty a dirty word and kind of the idea that we're just there to get free stuff so I also found that being a stylist was that it legitimised yeah, totally. my career I, I would never say I was a blogger I'm a freelance fashion editor I'm a stylist yeah. and I think you know that kind of snobbery in the industry really kind of actually stunted my growth a bit yeah. actually I probably would have even sort of a, a bigger blog if I'd focused on that so? from, the, from the beginning yeah probably mm. But I'll catch up now, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? So how do the mechanics of blogging work today in 2018? It's interesting because uh, I had a dinner recently with a uh, big editor from a magazine and she asked me the same question. And I find it quite unusual because I just think, oh, it's the same as a magazine, really. So in the sense that magazines take advertising, mm-hmm. so do websites. So I have sort of a few banner ads on my site. But generally the main thing would be what, I suppose the magazine world called an advertorial, mm-hmm. which is where I will be the face of the advert. So a brand will work with me and I will create content for them. And that can be in so many different guises. I think everyone just thinks it's an Instagram ad, but you know, there can be lots of ways. Like I will sometimes work with a brand, you know, for six months and okay. I will consult for them and I will create content for them to use exclusively on their channels, on their websites. So it's like you've got a brand in Italy and I shoot product for them and I don't necessarily even feature it on my channels. They use it on their newsletters and their social media. So it's kind of you know, different ways of working at creative solutions, I suppose, for brands. Um, but because generally I am the face of it, I have to be very obviously careful about who I work with and who I align with because it's essentially selling my soul. <laughs> but I think that's good because I do think sometimes when I worked on magazines, you know, it would just get filtered down to me as a fashion editor from the ad department. Mm-hmm. Oh, you so have to feature that. this horrible bracelet. And I'll be like, this is disgusting. But that doesn't matter, they've paid. And actually, I do think as well, sort of social media and bloggers have to answer for a lot of that kind of false advertising. But there's a lot of us that really care. And I do think that being on that side of it being the face of the brand I'm a lot less biased and really consider working with brands that I love I ask all the questions I turn down most things if I've never worked with a brand I just think well you know there's no relationship there and and I'm quite honest with brands and say oh I've never shopped with you before so then I'll go for a meeting with them to discuss things and tell them why 
it's not a good idea and maybe we need to work together for next season and maybe what is that brand doing that's and what changed? would that be based on maybe on like their eco credentials or whatever yeah, price points price point. um, some brands are just too expensive you know or I haven't shopped there and I'll tell them why I haven't and mm-hmm. what are they going to change to make my reader and me want to shop there you know could be you know merchandise and shop fits yeah sustainability bringing down price points new designers there's lots you know and I definitely a lot of thought that goes into any sort of paid partnership I do. And how does it feel? You said you're selling your soul, and obviously that's the cliche, and it obviously is much more subtle than that. You're not selling yeah, your soul. No. You're a face of, of yeah. a brand, and it is totally the way that advertising and endorsements going in the fashion industry and beyond obviously in interiors it replicates it too but how does that feel personally for you because I suppose the benefit of working for a title is that you are removed you're not the face and you can go home and shut the door is it exhausting being the face of lots of different things or feeling like you have to keep up some type of image or I don't know how does it feel like being at the eye of that storm yeah sometimes it is quite draining because I suppose in that sense you have to take on all the feedback personally and all the criticism you take that personally and sometimes you know I think what people don't realize is you know you get feedback on in your comments but then also you get direct messages and that's where mainly the mean cruel ones are and you have to take that kind of just internally behind closed doors and as much as I feel like I'm a strong person and I, I think I've got quite a you know, thick skin. Sometimes I'll just oh, you're stand human. in the shower and just contemplate that one thing that one person yeah. said when a thousand people said a nice thing. Yeah. Especially sometimes when it's personal. Sometimes when it's really about something quite personal, especially like, you know, looks. How you look. Yeah. It is hard. But I do also think that, again, we live in an amazing country where people do have voices and I think mm-hmm. it's important to do it, you know, kindly but I do think you know I do read all the feedback and I do use that as well with brands so sometimes the brand contacts me you know as if a product if someone kind of says that they don't like the ethics of that company I will look into yeah. it and be like actually do you know what my reader isn't really into that brand and I don't think that's right and I think it's really good information it's kind of market research mm. so as much as it's hard I think you have to take it on you know as a business and use it as creative construction do you have any support like do you go for coaching or do you kind of have an outlet where you can because you're essentially a whole business in one person yeah I mean well I have actually or do you have mentors or is this you know what's your support system so I don't have any mentors or anything but I obviously have my husband (laughs) who is very involved yeah so we're kind of 50-50 in the company now and then I've got um, an assistant in my office who's really great and she's good at her job but also she's a consumer so she we kind of really talk about you know what else we've seen in and she will talk about TV programs we're watching and so she's, that's really great she's really supportive as well yeah I mean I think it's definitely something you learn along the way but I think it's good I think you know if you are outward facing so if you know you have to take on all of that criticism and response it does make you really think about yeah. the impact of what you're doing and I think that can only be a good thing mm. so it's almost protecting yourself from the get-go yeah if I always said that I'd always rather people came to me with an intelligent argument reasoning something than just going oh my god you're amazing because then who knows where it is so I would just kind of be just I'll just do an ad every single picture yeah no one would have a nice experience but you would so do you feel a responsibility to your readers and to kind of shoppers yeah definitely I mean I've always said from the beginning 
if I ever felt icky about that paid partnership and pressing send, I would never do it. Fair enough. Generally. Even if I liked the product, but just the brand just felt like it was weird. Yeah. I just don't, I mean, I pull that a lot. I definitely think so. I mean, it's hard because I, at the same time, I do think that we're just people on Instagram. We don't have responsibility in that sense. You know, I do think yeah. we owe people anything. No. And I think there is... But I think if you've got a level of power in an industry that still needs to evolve, then yeah. you do have, in a positive way, you yeah. can use that. And clearly you do. And I think that's really worthwhile. I do try, but I also don't think that means that everyone in my position has to. No. You know, and I think that's the thing. It's hard because I get a lot of messages about political ideas as well and people saying you know with your following you have to say this and what you think about this and I think well I, I don't have to oh, wow. about what kind of stuff uh, you know about racial attacks and I mean I try okay. and be culturally aware and so you know I'm really interested in social change and I do I try and help where I can but I you know at the end of the day I'm a fashion yeah. lifestyle interiors blog and I don't think that people have come to me for that mm. and that's the thing I think it can't be everything no and I think and I shouldn't try. anyway yeah, yeah you need to set your own boundaries. Yeah, people said if you have a following, you have to, you know, be political. No, no. And I don't believe that. No. I think you can care. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can show that you care, but I don't think you necessarily have to try and keeping what you set out to do is so important. Yeah, no, definitely. An extra note to add in to this episode of The Success Revolution, and that is around the Step Up School which if you are a regular listener or you are a keen follower of the Step Up Club's Instagram feed or get the newsletter, you will know that booking is now open for the next round of Step Up School, which is our unique masterclass three-day coaching program that will get you working smarter, achieving your goals. It will help you build your confidence. It will knit you within a brand new female network. It really is a game changer. Our grads email constantly to tell us about their career wins, new businesses, promotions, angel investment, returns to work and so much more. This really is a unique opportunity to get some perspective on your career and learn the skills so that you can really fulfill your potential. Just rewinding slightly, obviously you work with Chris, your husband, and your 50-50 partners in the business. What is it like working with your husband? Because I would literally kill mine as much as I love him. So how do you make it work? I think it is one of those things that just evolved. So he took my pictures from day one. I mean, we're both kind of creatives. So when I met him, he was an actor. And he's now a theatre director. He directs his own short films as well, creates those. So we've kind of always both been in those kind of creative industries where we've both been broke and just get it and just always had to plod through together. And and I think, I don't know, he's always been so supportive from day one. I haven't really had to train him. (laughs) So he's never rolled his eyes when he's taken my photo and he's always known that I enjoy doing my blogs, Mm -hmm. so he would just help and take photos and then it got to a point I think when we went freelance where whenever I'd get a paid job I'd pay him as well and I think it got to the point where basically I was paying on a retainer yeah. to work for me and I just thought not to on. stay married to no, you no no <laughs> but yeah it got to the point where I thought hang on should we just do this as a business and then we just both have a salary and it, has it made a difference having him on board it really has <clears> actually, and, and like clearing the lines and everything yeah and also a vested interest yeah before obviously I was paying him to do photos but he would just care about that photos, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd just switch off, and I think I was getting a bit jealous because then he'd just like 
have some free time. But now I think it's great because when a project comes through, I'll talk to him about it and he'll either get excited about it. And mm. I think that's actually been really... So you've actually yeah, shared healthy. the burden. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I just kind of offload. But he definitely helps as well in the admin side and the website. And sometimes when he's had a really busy day, I kind of say to him, I was doing all of that as well myself, yeah. as well as uploading. And he was like, I can't actually get over that you were just you know, also doing all the back end of the mm. site and dealing with server issues and redesigns. And so it has been really great. And I think both of our lives have kind of got easier, I think, like working lives anyway. I mean, you said that you paid Chris, which I think is really admirable because there's, you know, not taking him for granted. And I asked Alex in advance of the interview to send me some of her successes, which she then wrote back and said, I don't know. I never think about success help. And then we got to a few points. And one of them, I just want to read back to you because it really touched me. And it leads into this conversation around money, which I know is very important to you. Alex wrote, I'm very proud of being able to offer paid work to others, pay people for their work fairly and reasonably. I don't haggle on rates. If I can't afford it, I let the freelancer know and keep them in mind for other opportunities and pay quickly for their work and their time. Yeah. I mean, number one, I think that's an amazing attitude to have. It says a lot about you that that's one of your successes and clearly you've got real integrity on that side of things. Do you think that comes from, you mentioned your parents have their own business. Is your attitude to money, was it formed, do you think, in childhood or is it your more your experience as an adult? Yeah, I think a little bit of both when I take on someone as a freelance and pay them, like I take it, it's like a debt. Mm. Like I'm very, like if you take money, you owe them. I'm a bit sort of petty about it. Like I'll pay someone 20p back for half of that Mars bar or whatever. Mm. I was, I've always been very, you know, that's your fair. money, that's my money. Yeah, very fair. And it's it's interesting because I think some people don't understand as well because Chris and I, we split everything in our household. Really, what do you mean? Like if Chris pops to get the chips for six pounds, I'll get three pounds out of my wallet and give it to him. But don't you just pull all the money? No, no, no. We have so we have a joint account that pays bills, House and stuff. Things, but everything else is completely split. And why do you do it like that? That's so I interesting. Think because when we both met, we neither of us had any money mm. spare. So I knew that three pounds was as important to him as it was to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really afford to lend him, you know, a tenner. I could, but I'd need it back. And I think because we've always lives like that that I understand it's that kind of empathy I mm. suppose and again now we earn the same so I know if I'm broke I'm like you are too so yeah. I need to owe you that money also I think working again for magazines where I was really poorly paid when I look at totally. it now I, you know and I and then obviously I went freelance and again I worked for companies that would take three months four months to pay me and I'd be chasing it every day and I really needed that money I was really struggling and I'd be in my overdraft But, you know, brands owed me a couple of hundred pounds and I would never want anyone to think that about me. If I couldn't afford to pay someone, I wouldn't book them. Mm. And so I've just always had that. And it's the same with travel. Like, if I can, I would try and pay for premium economy because I spent the whole of my 20s, I would travel, you know, 11, 12-hour flights in economy and have to work the next day and shoot. And it was exhausting. And so I try, if I can, like I would try and pray for myself and Chris to go premium or use miles because we're there to work, yeah. you know. <clears throat> Holiday is different. We go economy, we go by bus. Yeah. But, you know, it's a workshop and I think I've always set up, I think if I can afford to through my company, that's what I want to do because that's, it's work, but I'd like it to be enjoyable. Totally. And I would like people to want to work for me again, you know. And I know if I book a photographer 
they will just confirm with me and be happy to do the job because they know that I'll have a nice day, it won't be too stressful, I'll pay them on time and we'll get some nice pictures at the end of it. And I think that's so important. And I do, yeah, I don't believe in interns because I do, I do believe in interns because I I was an intern and it helped me majorly. Mm-hmm. But I do think if you can afford to not have an intern, then you should you do... Should, yeah. You know, and I do think a lot of companies use work experience intern as such an excuse for free labour, and I think it's quite damaging because also it only helps privileged people. You know, and I am privileged in the sense that my parents lived just outside of London, so I could live at their house and they didn't charge me rent, and I could afford to just commute in and without you know sort of raising a huge debt. Yeah, same, totally yeah. the same. I remember working, doing work experience with some girls who would drawing the doll and doing all sorts of things so that they could afford to be able to do the work experience that who knew where it was going to lead them yeah yeah so how has that ingrained relationship that you have with money that's obviously helped form the frugality and the way that you work it seems to become more prominent now what with you writing a book and I know you're kind of more interested in it can you talk about how that's evolved and a little bit about the book and what you aim to do with it It's funny because I think my blog started off as really quite bare bones and and about money and it was kind of quite raw and quite ugly in my sight. It was definitely kind of... So money was always the starting point. Yeah, it was really interesting. Which isn't now. No, and I think because it probably was a bit too early and people didn't really want to talk about it and it was really uncool to, you know, frugal had connotations of being cheap and Mm. not wanting to spend money and mine was we were kind of cheap in our lifestyle in order to afford nice things Mm. you know I love kind of a well-crafted bag or like lovely well-made knitwear but I would spend you know 30 pounds 40 pounds a week on food between us and we would you know upcycle and borrow stuff from my parents to decorate our flat and you know and I think that's the thing It, it was definitely you know we'd make our food every single day for work and we would make it sort of a meal at dinner and then we'd have it for lunch and we'd freeze it and and my first blog post was about kind of I think like a sausage and butter bean bake and it was so disgusting <laughs> the picture I mean I've deleted the post there because the picture was so disgusting but that was life reality. and that was what my blog started to be kind of a bit more of a reality and I suppose along the way Instagram came and yeah. needed everything to be a bit glossy and also I suppose I probably followed the likes in that sense you know the less glossy pictures weren't getting mm-hmm. the attention or the likes and actually people just wanted to know what I was buying cheaply and where mm-hmm. I could get it and it became more of a shopping app people wanted to be able to buy everything I had and people just got annoyed if something was old so I do think that's how kind of Instagram went the other way and everything was about buy, buy, yeah. buy, shop now. And I mean, how did that sit with you? Firstly, I never wanted to put a picture of me on my website. When I started oh, really? Blog, I never, yeah, I mean, that's, again, that's I failed, never... failed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I never even showed my face until recently, until probably about three years ago. Really? I still would just crop always. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was always... Because for me, it was about the clothes, it wasn't about me. Mm. But now Instagram's become so personal and it's been attached to the person... And also, I do think, you know, it's kind of come full circle and now it's kind of a bit more kind of about activism and, I mean, I find a lot of people about social change and I really enjoy that kind of educational mm-hmm. aspect of it. And, I mean, I purposely stopped a few years ago. I don't use the word need or must have or, you know, obsessed with yeah. this. I tried to purposely kind of change my semantic yeah the tone yeah because I felt like there was definitely magazines I think it started and it filtered with you know and I think the introduction of swipe up was I just know a little bit dangerous 
I do a few swipe ups, but oh, do you really? Quite yeah. rarely. Oh, right. Yeah, I that you don't. No, I don't really do many, and because it's only... you don't want to encourage people to shop. Yeah, yeah, I don't see people don't need. No one needs it, and yeah. but sometimes I think, oh, I bought this, but actually, you know, I was saving for a dishwasher, and I was like, I was really begrudging watching other people doing a hundred swipe ups. I was mm. thinking, you know, I've got other money to spend on more important things mm-hmm. right now, and and I do think again, it's that responsibility, but it's a personal thing you know and again my blog's called The Frugality if I just do some pops to every five yeah. minutes it doesn't make sense because the whole point is thinking about purchases mm-hmm. thinking about whether they'll last and from that it's really interesting so I've got kind of a management now and they kind of talked about writing an ebook, and they said oh, I think it's, really, it's a really nice thing to offer mm-hmm. and I have been approached to write a book book but um, yeah you could definitely do a frugality book yeah, well, I, I, no, I've got, again, it's that imposter syndrome. I've got, like, a, a fear that that book will just be something that will be in, like, the bargain bin and pound. No, and and, Yeah, I know, so I'm just a bit of a cliché blogger with a book. I don't know, I just... Fair I mean, enough. Watch this space. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought, oh, actually, I want to do something that's really personal as well, and it's not bit of the environment. It's not a, a fancy cover trying to sell, and it kind of is what it is. I don't think it's going to be long. It'll only be, like, 30, 30 pages, but... It's kind of a personal memoir because it's funny. So my management suggested doing it and they were like, oh, you know, I think it should be about interiors and how you go about doing things that way and slow interiors and doing things over time. And I just said, I want to do it about money. And, and I think they, they were they quite surprised. Yeah. Actually, it's, it, I mean, it's obviously an icky subject and it makes no, me but it's definitely People are definitely talking about money more. Well, yeah, and I've been really slow at writing it. So, if I'm so you, people are catching up. I know, I feel like I'm going to be the last person to publish something now because I'm supposed to publish at the end of Jan, but never mind. I just also think as well the social media, and I've really been first-hand at that, you know, where people have assumed things mm-hmm. through social media. And so I, I yeah, because when I was thinking about you, when I was writing your introduction, I was thinking you are a real anomaly as an influencer who is considered about money and who talks about money and who is frugal. Because I mean, it's hard to know what's gifted and what's given, but you know, and I know, like, I won't name check her, but there are lots of influencers who talk about that push and pull of like having this very glossy life and behind mm-hmm. the scenes eating baked beans on toast. Yeah, but I think you've really artfully blended the two and it comes through as something very authentic yeah well I think the introduction of Instagram stories has really helped that Mm. because people can see your life and I think that's the thing you kind of get this impression of social media I mean it's the complete same as when I started my blog like my life on a magazine to my friends yeah I I can't come to that dinner I'm in LA I can't go there I've got a private tour of Chanel's apartment in Paris and oh no I'm at fashion I can't do anything September it's fashion month you know I'm in New York I'm in London I'm in Milan you know I've never been to Milan but um, you know that kind of I think people and assumed and obviously I've been working for 10 12 years at this time and all my peers were in you know high up jobs they totally and so they just assumed we were in the same level because I was seemed really senior and I was styling cover shoots but actually I was earning you know at 30 was earning 20 23,000 pounds and that was after a few pay rises Mm. and so I couldn't afford to you know go out for my friend's 30th birthday at Dean Street Townhouse and I had to say to her I can't split the bill if I come here like I have to get the small dish and it's part of the reason I think I don't really drink wine because really? I've never really been able to afford to split the bill. <laughs> really expensive. It is. I just have tap water and a glass of Coke and I think I never got into it 
wine because of that. Because of the yeah, I've, money I've issues. never gone to a wine bar. I've never had that. Yeah, and I just don't like it. But I think I've never really kind of been introduced to it. I've never mm. drunk it at home. Yeah, I know who's going to live the longest of all the influences. <laughs> oh, no, I just think burgers, though. Oh, do you? Great. Okay, that's your um, Yeah, and I think your life and your online life are yeah. completely different. And I think that's the thing as well. I think still, I think there's so many people out there that think that I'm not frugal because of how my Instagram looks. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point, is that you can be both. You can kind of look nice and glossy and take nice pictures. And you can really save to... So what are your, just to end our chat like what are your tips then for not subjugating your lifestyle but being able to be frugal in how you make your choices like what would your tips be my main tip would be I mean I'm like obsessed with my bank account I look at it every day all day long I'm quite an analytical person which is probably why Instagram is quite good I love kind of analyzing mm. like likes and pictures do well and and like blog posts like what's the most successful blog maybe I should move them all there and I do the same with my bank I'm very like what do I not need to spend money on where can we save and I mean I think food is such a huge thing for us when we stopped shopping at like a huge supermarket and started going to little completely you know we quartered our food mm. bill and we don't go out that much I think there's this assumption as well that yeah you're on social media and you're always going out for food and I think what people don't realise is that's work so yeah. that's, that's a free dinner that's yeah. so frugal when you I can definitely out, drink wine at your free dinners Alex well no I'm not into it now I missed the boat <laughs> about gin and tonic? I just drink champagne okay fine <laughs> but you know I went to Gloria you know fabulous restaurant in Shoreditch and I'm sure it's really expensive and fabulous and people can't get reservations there but I went on a work dinner so I think that's the thing I suppose I'm lucky in the sense that I get you to, get the taste for it but you yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, in my real everyday life, we don't really go out. We cook all our meals from scratch, batch cook. We do most of the interiors ourselves. We decorate ourselves. So you know. planning, being yeah. careful with food. What about shopping? Clothes shopping. I'm talking about now. Clothes shopping. I mean, that's obviously where I spend a bit more money, yeah. personally. But that's the thing as well. Now I can put a lot more through work because it is work I think, totally. you know, to, for me to have to shoot a blog you know I have to kind of spend a certain amount just to kind of not keep up but have fresh content mm-hmm. that's new but what's really exciting is that I feel the change on Instagram and social media has been people are much more into rewearing accepting and, of that, yeah, yeah and um so I'm doing more on my blog instead of new it's kind of how to wear this one thing mm-hmm. but five ways with old clothes and I think people are appreciating that more do you sell stuff yeah there's so many things that we do like yeah loads of side hustles so we do I do car boot sales like a couple of times a year eBay um, yeah do eBay do vestiaire okay because even I mean that's the thing I think sometimes there's such a talk around sustainable being designer clothes but you go off designer things the same as you do yeah, totally. high street things yeah. you know I don't actually honestly believe in that. I think something can last you just as long if it's from the high street, if it's an amazing, mm. well-bought piece. But yes, yeah, so is better for designer things. And what's great about design, I suppose, is they hold their price and yeah. just resell them. So I've actually sometimes, I bought something in a sample set. Oh, and then made money. Then, yeah, amazing. three years later. The dream. But yeah, so yeah, sell things. I think just be really active. I mean, there's so many things as well that you... Not, I don't want to say like laziness, but sometimes. No, you know, I, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, not being passive. Yeah. Not like just leaving stuff in your wardrobe that you could 
oh, you package know, up always, and say, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm probably a bit annoying and I probably remind myself of my nan when I do. I just walk around the house. Like, what can I sell? And if we need money, that's what has to happen. Yeah. You know, we've had just carpeted our hall lately and I sold an old laptop that just been sitting on the corner that I'd just been meaning to sell for ages. And I sold my old iPhone and I got £100 for it. Who I thought I'd it? get £20 on that Enviro-phone. Yeah. But I took it to the exchange place. Well, Chris took it for me. But yeah, I got £100 because I had the most storage oh, on the phone. Cool. So it was worth quite a lot. Yeah, I just thought, oh, I can't be bothered to sell that. It's mm-hmm. 20 quid. But, you know, I think about 20 quid is 20 quid even. That's totally. what I think of the car boot sale. Sometimes we sell some things for £3. But then at the end of the afternoon, yeah. we've got £300 that we can use for our holiday spending money. Yeah. And I think, and also things like, you know, book things in stages like holidays. I personally don't believe in doing things last minute. It's definitely about planning. So one month we'll book the flight and then next few months when we get a bit more yeah. money, we'll book, you know, on payday. And also the saving is definitely... Do you save first? Yeah, save first. Yeah. Just take it out of that bank. No, I try and put it in an online bank account that's not attached to my daily yeah. scroll so it's separate. And it's a bit more annoying to get out. You have to kind of do a bit more yeah, work yeah. for it. Well, it's totally enlightening talking to you, Alex, and you've given me lots of mental kick up the bum <laughs> about getting out and selling stuff. You've got, I've got two old laptops and a desktop oh, just sitting. I know. I've got to get on it. Yeah, CEX is really good. I'm not endorsed by them anyway because they've actually got on their website, so they're really transparent about the prices, how much oh, okay. they buy it for, and how much they sell it for which I think is quite good. Well, thank you for your time and for your interest and for your honesty too. It's been fascinating and I'm thrilled that you're part of the success revolution. Thank you. If you enjoyed the podcast and it sparked some thoughts about your success, please don't forget to leave a review and a rating for the success revolution wherever you are listening. All of the information from today's episode can be found at stepupclub.co forward slash podcast and don't forget to check us out on instagram and sign up to the newsletter so that i can help you achieve your career dreams see you next week same time same place